Hey everybody, this is Klaatu, and in this episode, we're going to start the KDE software series of Slackware 14.2, kind of. Usually I, I open up a page listing all of the packages distributed with Slackware, and I start at the top of a software set and go through the list. In this case, the KDE package set that shipped with 14.2 was KDE 4 something, and that's really out of date now. By out of date, I mean it's just not supported. I mean, it's, it's based on Qt 4, which doesn't, it isn't a thing anymore. Qt 5 is easily the, the correct current thing to base code on. No one's using Qt 4 anymore. I mean, I'm sure someone's using it, but I mean, everything that is being written and maintained in Qt right now is pretty much on Qt 5. So, I mean, and that's not really a problem. That's the, the nice thing about how Slackware works. You can be running a KDE4 desktop. If you want something that was written in Qt5, that's okay. You can install the Qt5 libraries and then install the thing depending on those libraries. And now you have Qt5 applications on top of a Qt4 desktop. There's no issue with that at all. That's exactly how this stuff is designed to work. So that's fine. But in terms of looking at every single application in the software series of KDE and talking about how they work, I just don't see how it makes sense to review things that no one is going to be using by the time Slackware 15.0 is released. Now, the way that it normally works in Slackware, and by normally I mean I guess for the past 10 years or so, so I don't know, you know, I don't know the the, the full cycle, but for, for me at least, as I've been with Slackware from 12 dot whatever, the, the way that it, that it works is that you, about midway through the lifespan of Slackware, it feels, some of the other Slackware users start maintaining, um, rather large replacement applications. So for instance, Alien Bob, who was on the Slackware development team, or, or maintainer team, uh, one of the core people on on the team he he happens to re, um, maintain a repository of of kde uh, applications and libraries he calls it k-town so about midway through the lifespan of that release i i generally go to alien bob's website i check in on what he's doing and very often he has updated some major components of slackware and you can download that and replace your whatever that component is, in this case K-Town, so KDE, you can replace the old one with the new one, and now you've got an updated desktop. It's a little bit awkward. I mean, you could, you can imagine a world where rather than having to know that Alien Bob exists and having to know that he maintains a thing called K-Town, you, you just, you get an update one day from, from when you, when you update Slack package, you get a, an, an update that KDE5 is now available from, from some part of Slackware's server, something like that. But that's just not how it's done. As far as I know, that's I guess that's never how it's been done with Slackware. So for the past couple of times, I've been able to get some pretty major updates for, for some component of Slackware. It hasn't always been KDE, although it's been KDE, I, I feel like, for a little while. And, and it's nice because you get to kind of freshen up your desktop a little bit and certainly in the case of KDE4, it just kind of felt weird. I mean, it doesn't feel weird for like a year, but after a year of running KDE4 and watching everything around you switch to KDE or to, to Qt5 libraries, it does start to feel a little bit strange. Now, I was running KDE4 for the longest time, running Qt5 applications such as QTractor, Kdn Live, Krita, a bunch of different applications had gone to Qt5. I was running them on top of Qt4. It was not a problem. It was never a problem. Uh, the, the, the only problem, in air quotes, was that you know, sometimes during compiling you had to issue some special flag to tell it to use QMake5 instead of QMake4, or, or the default QMake. So it, it's a, it's a minor, minor, minor thing if you're building stuff for Slackware anyway. It, it, it's hardly noticeable. But after a while, it does start to feel weird. So at some point, I don't know when, I went to K-Town. I pulled all of the latest packages for KDE5. I uninstalled all of KDE4 on my Slackware 14.2 system. And so now I've been running KDE5 on my 14.2 system for, for years. Well, I'm certainly not going to go back and reinstall KDE4 just to cover those applications. And anyway, as I say, 
in Slackware 15.0, no one's going to be running those applications anyway. I mean, someone will be, you know, a lot of the applications haven't changed, so it doesn't actually matter whether I'm talking about the 4 or the 5 edition of those applications. But there are some major changes, major enough changes to discuss, I think, basing everything on KDE 5. So that's what I'm going to be talking about. I'm I'm not exactly doing the 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 KDE software set of 14.2. I'm doing the KDE software set of current, essentially. Now, current is the place on the Slackware servers where Pat puts all of the, you know, the the development, the packages as they are in development. It is the, I guess you could call it the rolling distro version of Slackware. If you update from current, then you will be following Pat as he develops toward the next Slackware. Now, I don't do that anymore so much. I, I do have the intention of recording an episode on how to install Slackware current, because it is something that's, that's I think, kind of useful to know about. But uh, for me, Slackware, uh, as you may know, for me, Slack, one of Slackware's main appeals is its stability. Stability does not come from the unknown. Stability comes from the known, even if the known is suboptimal or isn't as good as the latest and greatest thing. At least it's the thing that you know, and you've known it for a year or two years or eight years, whatever it's been. And so you just stick with that because that element, that component of your system, you understand. So I tend to be quite, quite hesitant to update my Slackware workstation. But I will do an episode on that eventually. And right now is a very weird time in the Slackware lifecycle because K-Town has migrated. So K-Town, again, being the way that you could normally get KDE5 on your Slackware 14.2 system, K-Town has now migrated into the Slackware current sort of branch or, or repository. So you, 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 the only way right now that I'm aware of to get KDE5 on Slackware is to just install current or, or update to current, which is different than just updating K-Town with, to KDE5 with K-Town. So I, I don't know, if, if you're not running KDE5 already, you're probably best off waiting until Slackware 15.0 is released. But for the purpose of this episode, and many, many episodes after this, I'm going to assume that you are either on Slackware 14.2 running KDE5, or that you are in the future and running Slackware 15.0 with the KDE5 that came with the system. To start with, we're going to the KDE software set on Slackware current, looking at the top of the list. Actually, let's count this list. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 365, 366. 366 packages in this software series. So... We're going to be in KDE for a little while. Granted, some of them kind of overlap a little bit. I mean, not not really, but the, the, some of them are, are strongly related to one another, so I, I don't need to probably cover every single individual package, for instance, with uh, in Akonadi. Akonadi. A-K-O-N-A-D-I. Akonadi. Akonadi. It's one of those two. Akonadi, I should know this because I was at a meeting at a conference where where this was actually being introduced. I just don't remember now how it was said. Anyway, Akinadi is a personal information manager, is what they call it, or I should say it's a component of the personal information manager, having to do essentially with metadata or, or extra data around, around services that your KDE desktop runs to manage things like email, calendar, notes that you jot down for yourself in certain applications, and so on. You don't generally interact with Akinadi directly. So, for instance, if you were a developer, you might be using Akinadi libraries to provide coherence across data that you're storing in different systems. So, for instance, maybe you, maybe the, the KDE desktop, certainly, has information that gets stored locally in, in a configuration file. Maybe it has some information that's being stored in a database, and then maybe the user has also configured something to store information on a next cloud server somewhere. Akinadi can sort of normalize that data structure. It can it can it can keep track, help keep track of the data and where it's supposed to where it's located, 
and what application it relates to and so on. So that's one one use for it. If you've got different backends for important data, you can use Akinati in your KDE 5 application, well, KDE 4 or 5 application to help keep track of that. Another use case is just desktop-wide sharing of the data that Akinati or, or your, your PIM system has. So for instance, the fact that you have um, a, an email contact in Kmail shouldn't mean that that email contact literally only exists in Kmail. It should also mean that it's available over in, well, now I can't think of anything else that would need an email address, Conqueror, how's that? Um, or, or some other application that needs an email address. I don't really, I can't think of anything. But that's what Akinati can do, is help bridge that gap across different applications so that they, they both are aware of, of, the, of that data being in existence. And then finally, it helps deal with which application that now knows about that data, which application actually gets to use that data at different moments. So if you need to do a file lock or some kind of conflict detection or uh, change a notification, Akinati can help you do that. So Akinati is is a, a, sort of a, a sort of a coordination system almost for data that is shared across lots of different applications. And in the KDE desktop, I mean, one of the big things about KDE has always been integration, actual tight integration so that it feels like a cohesive open source experience. And it does that really, really well. It does that through design uh, conventions. It does that through certainly something like Akinadi, where data is shared across different applications. And it does that by... providing a comprehensive experience when when you have a kde desktop you're not you're not just delivered a couple of necessary obvious applications you get a lot of applications with kde the desktop and in some ways i think people who aren't fond of a big desktop like kde maybe you don't appreciate that maybe maybe you don't want all those applications which is understandable i mean if you know it, it feels kind of like you get a bunch of embedded applications that you can't get rid of now because it just came on the system and it, it's it's part of the desktop. But on the other hand, if, if what you want is a full desktop experience, then having those applications is really, really nice. Having a text editor and an email application that knows about your system tray, an RSS feed reader that uh, is that checks for new articles every time you uh, launch your email application because it's all part of the same uh, sort of contact suite. Uh, having a, a planner, a calendar, and, and having that calendar tie into a project management application uh, and, and having a text editor that uses the same uh, kinds of widgets and the same components that your code editor does and having a, a video editor and a digital painting application and so on. So it's, th- there's, there's a lot of integration in KDE, but there's also just a lot to integrate, which is, I think, one of the major selling points of KDE for, for me at least, for a lot of people, but definitely for me. I think that's, that's one of the the really nice things about KDE is that it just feels very complete. And that's one of the one of the reasons it, it can feel complete and cohesive is because of Akinati. Because you could have just a bunch of applications, but if they're not really talking to each other, or, or if you have to go to great lengths to get them to recognize each other, then that's not quite the same feeling as a bunch of K applications that just happen to know the the same metadata as the other application and so on. So let's really quick look at the file list or the yeah the the file list for the packages of Akinadi dash um looks like I'm running Akinadi 17 in current it's 21. So I'm a few versions behind but that's okay. There are a couple of different commands installed with Akinadi and I not all of them are are very terribly well documented. But then again, most of them aren't really supposed to be necessarily user-facing. I mean, they're developer-facing. But for instance, you have Akinadi 2xml. And in theory, if I open up a terminal and type in Akinadi 2xml, hit return, tells me that there's a Q command line parser er, uh, option not defined collection. Now this is good. This is collection is a 
is a, a type of entity, a data object in Akinati. So Akinati 2xml-help gives me a little help file, but strangely the command doesn't doesn't tell me doesn't mention the usage doesn't tell me where I'm supposed to specify a collection. So I don't know that I'm what the intent here is 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 exactly for me to be doing with this command. I mean it sounds like from the description it says converts an Akinati collection subtree into an XML file. So it sounds like it's going to parse what is in a collection. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. The point is, Akinati, the commands, sometimes clues you in a little bit onto the internals of Akinati. And there are a couple of different ways we can look at at what is going on inside of Akinati. So the first thing to to, to look at, I think, are some of these, these binaries. So Akinati underscore agent underscore launcher. That's obviously a, I'm going to copy that so I don't have to type it again. Akinati agent launcher type uh, enter that into a terminal type dash dash help nothing. What if I do that with nothing? Nothing happens. Okay. So it's just a launcher utility of some sort. But it, it has the word agent in it. So now we know another data type in Akinati and that is an agent. Of course, I mean lots of things have agents. There's an SSH agent, there's a GPG agent. So or a keychain agent, something like that. So that's not a completely foreign term in computing, but something to, to know about. There's Akinati underscore agent underscore server. It's good to know. And then there's also Akinati underscore control. I've not actually... I don't remember if that one... There's a similar one. Okay, so it says org.kde.pim.akinati control unable to register service. Maybe it's already running. Yes, it probably is. Um, there is a similar one called Akinati CTL, which I have used before. Akinati CTL, Akinati CTL, dash dash help, I guess. You've got things, you've got subcommands like start, stop, restart, status, vacuum, interesting, and FSCK. So Akinati control, uh, cuddle, Akinati cuddle is your user facing on off switch, really, and I guess maintenance tool for the Akinati service that's running underneath KDE, keeping track of all that data and metadata. It it normally starts on its own. If you're running the KDE desktop, that's just part of part of the deal. When you log in, it starts an Akinati server or or uh it, it launches the it's it launches the agent uh and it's yeah, it must start the server, yeah. Um for some reason I think I'm using the wrong term there, but that's okay. Uh and it does that for each user. Akinati must run, an, an individual instance of Akinati must run for each user. It, different users on the same system logged in at the same time cannot use, cannot share the same Akinati agent. That would not work. It would get confused. It would be reporting on different on data that doesn't apply to that user and so on. Uh, Akinati uses an embedded uh, database. So, I mean, you could you can use your own. You don't have to use an embedded database, but by by its nature, it's using its own little... Um, database that runs very much without your knowledge. You don't really, you, you're not cognizant of it at all unless you l go looking for it. And it just keeps track of, of again, metadata, data about your data across all your applications. Should that start to falter for any reason, or should it start to annoy you, you could stop it, you can restart it, and and that kind of unplugs it, plugs it back in, really. You can also get the status, so let's do that really quick. Akinati cuddle status tells me that the control is running the server is running the server search support is available um, available agent types are akinati underscore echo notes underscore resource akinati underscore archive email no archive mail agent akinati birthday is resource akinati contacts resource you get the idea this is all that stuff in your personal information management system, like contact or K-mail. This is that kind of data. POP3, IMAP, or is it IMAP actually? I think I read somewhere that they're not. Well, there's inbox, there's mail filter, there's mail dispatcher, and so on. So really important things to have running in the background if you expect your desktop to kind of manage and, and run your email infrastructure and possibly a lot more than that, your calendaring system, whatever. So that's what that is. So let's, um, is that all for this? I mean, probably technically is. Akinati server. Yeah, I think that's, I think, I think we get the idea. There's one thing that I should, I should look at here. So it's, it's an application called ASAP Cat, and it's the Akinati ASAP Cat. 
Cat. This is a development tool. Only use this if you know what you are doing. Well, I don't know what I'm doing, so I am not going to use it. I just thought I would, um, I thought I would, would, would highlight it here because it's got a funny name and something that apparently I'm not supposed to use. So ASAP Cat is in Akinati, by, uh, the user bin directory in the Akinati package. Alright, on to the next one, I guess. Let's look at really quick Akinati underscore it looks like is that no it's a dash sorry calendar dot or dash uh probably 17 yes does this have binaries that we need to talk about no this does not have any binaries this is stuff to help akinati figure out what to do with your calendaring information there is a readme file in slash in slash user doc akinati whatever um and it tells you that this is a library that bridges the type agnostic API of Akinati and domain-specific calendaring uh, libraries provided through the rest of KDE, the, the K libraries. So um, this is very much a development library that people may want to hook into if there is, I don't know, something in your application that you maybe you want to make it really easy for a user to uh, send themselves a reminder on a certain day. This would probably be one of those one of the things you would want to look at as as a developer. So that's the Akinati calendar tools. Let's look at Akinati calendar. No, sorry, that was Akinati calendar. Let's look at Akinati calendar tools. This um, does have two commands. There's calendar janitor and console calendar. So I will try to launch calendar janitor with a dash dash help. And this is a, an interface to report and fix errors in your calendar data. And again, there's this word collections. I'm leading up to something here, so that's why I keep highlighting some of these things. There's this, this idea of a collection. Uh, in this particular command calendar janitor, you can actually specify dash dash collections and then provide some kind of ID for it to scan. And then if you need it to fix that thing, then you can do a dash dash fix. So for instance, I mean, there's really nice examples here. This is a really nicely documented tool. Um, calendar janitor, that scans all collections. Calendar janitor, that does a, a scan um, of, of all the different collections that you have and reports on them. It says that there's a collection for birthdays and anniversaries, um, which is ID equals three. There's um, a personal calendar, which is ID equals 11 and so on. So any calendar entity, you know, a dot .ics file, sort of, um, or an iCal, whatever, whatever the file format. I'm pretty sure it's ICS. Um, any any file that you have, you know, any reference to a a calendaring server that you have made in your calendar is considered that that is one of the things that is considered a collection by Akinati. There are other kinds of collections, but that's one of them, and this is a great way to get a list of all the collections from your calendar. There's a different way as well, which I'll, I'll probably get to, yeah, get to pretty quickly here. Um, you can also back up your calendar. So Akinati calendar dash dash backup, and then output dot ICS, uh, Akinati calendar dash dash strip dash old alarms, uh, and that, of course, um, deletes any alarms that you'd set that are older than 365 days. Okay, so there's also a console calendar spelled with k's because console uh, is spelled with a k and, and in this case so is calendar console calendar is a command line interface for kde calendars so that means that you can interact with your calendaring application that normally would pop up in your date and time view in your uh, little uh, system tray or just in your in your contact application, which you don't know about yet because we're in the A's and contact starts with a K, so we won't get there until a while. But you can interact with that through this terminal command, console calendar. That's really, really cool. There's There are some things that aren't actually functional yet. For instance, there's um, a journal kind of a journal entry function that is apparently planned but it says not working yet in the help there's a to-do list thing that's not working yet but the the events is up and running that that works um and yeah you can interact you can import export you can show different events upcoming and uh you can 
list days that you have things scheduled for. You can list all of your calendars. So console calendar dash dash list dash calendars shows you a list of any calendars that you have. There's the personal calendar. There's open invitations to client invitations, birthdays and anniversaries. And then you could do, for instance, a console calendar dash dash add dash dash calendar. Uh, what's the ID of my personal? That's 11. Uh, add uh, calendar 11. And I'll add the date, 20 dash dash date, 2022 dash 01 dash 15, which is tomorrow for me, dash dash time, 0900 dash dash end dash time, 10 o'clock dash dash summary, COVID booster, close quote, dash dash description, go to health center for shot, close quote, and return, and it says success. COVID booster inserted. So it has been inserted where? Well, it's been inserted to my calendar. I can view that by doing a console calendar dash dash calendar 11 dash dash all. That shows all the events in my personal calendar. That could be a little bit overwhelming. It kind of depends on, on how you manage your calendar, I guess. But if I want to see it in a different view, I could open up contact, which again, you don't know exists yet because it's not in the package, it's much farther down in the package, but there's an application, spoilers, application called Contact with a K, and it manages everything, your email, your, your a journal, um, an, a, an agenda, um, a calendar, a to-do list, RSS feeds, notes, all kinds of things. So I'm going to click on the calendar component of this and click on tomorrow, and here at 9 o'clock I've got an appointment that I've just added to my calendar from console, from the, the terminal. Very, very cool. There's lots more you can do with this. There's, it, like I say, it's a, actually a very well-documented command. It shows you examples. It gives you lots of help. All you have to do is type in console calendar dash dash help, and you get all kinds of cool, um, cool options to interact with a GUI application on your computer just through a terminal. It's such a cool thing. I mean, it's exactly what... This is exactly... This is the promise of terminal-based Linux. You know, th that kind of acti that kind of interaction, being able to just do things in a GUI through a term, that's amazing, amazing, so cool. So that's console calendar. It's in Akinadi calendar tools. You should check it out if you're using KDE 5. Absolutely check that out. It is just, it brings back, well, it brings joy to calendaring, which I don't know. Some people really like calendaring. I do not, but... If I can type it into a uh, into a terminal for my to to schedule something in a calendar, that's I'll do that. That's cool. So that's Akinadi Calendar Tools. Next up is Akinadi var log packages Akinadi un, uh, dash contacts, and this is the um, contact management system that Akinadi uses. There are no binaries installed with this, so again, this is kind of this is going to be something that people are are using as they develop this these applications. It's tapping into the KDE framework, KDE five framework. So there's not really a whole lot to talk about there, other than the fact that once again, this is tracking that data, personal information management, so that you have access to it in more than just in in just the literal single application that you entered it into in the first place. There's also an Akinadi dash import dash wizard. This is a binary. I don't want to launch it for fear of uh, re-importing something, but it, it's the import uh, wizard. It it runs after you get rid of KDE 4 and switch over to KDE 5. This thing runs so that all of your data from the old KDE gets imported cleanly into the new KDE. All I can say is that it worked, and that's really the only sort of requirement I have for that sort of thing. Um, there might be more to it, you know, um, things that, I don't know, maybe you would want, maybe maybe it could do better, faster, whatever, but for me, that seemed to kind of do the trick. No complaints. There's also a Akinadi-MIME, M-I-M-E, that impl implements miming in Akinadi. Miming is like file type, fi file typing, figuring out what kind of application is required to handle a certain kind of, of uh, file type. 
So this, again, doesn't have any binaries, not a whole lot to talk about, except that this helps Akinati understand the kind of data that it is receiving. And you, you see a lot of header files here, kmime, um, in the KDE framework folder in Akinati, kmime. There's address attribute, there's Akinati mime export, command base, mark as a command, message flags, message folder attribute, message model, message parts, and so on. So important things, but not something that you're likely to use unless you're developing something that taps into the PIM system of KDE. Let's take a coffee break, and then we'll come back and we'll finish up the Akinati stuff. I, I did. I had some listener feedback I wanted to get to, so maybe we'll do that right after the coffee break and hopefully finish up the Akinati stuff. Let's go get coffee, but spell it with a K. coffee, I hope. And uh, let's look at some listener feedback really quick before we jump back into Akinati, Akinati notes specifically. I got some feedback um, about the Netcat album on Mastodon. So uh, let's see, what was the person? Fate6660 said that it was really cool, but it wouldn't compile. So I, 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 I realized that I haven't compiled it in a little while. And yes, it is true. It wouldn't compile immediately. There is an easy fix, which I will provide right now. The error that you are likely to see should this happen is error mod post missing module underscore license parentheses parentheses. Um, Fate6660 said that they would like to have posted an issue in the GitHub on the Netcat album page, but it hasn't been active since 2014, and that's true. And this is why I have not yet submitted this fix or patch request to that GitHub page. It's exclusively because there's clearly no one monitoring it since, I don't know, I think the, it's for, for several years. So I, I don't feel like a pull request would do a whole lot of good, although it would be a place to document this fix. So there is that. So I haven't quite decided how what, 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 I'm, what, what, what tactic I'll take to get this fix to that rep repository, but the, the fix is quite simple. You do an echo of single quote module underscore license, all capital, uh, all, all capital letters, parentheses, double quote, or um, normal quote, nil, N-I-L, or, or anything that you want, really. Uh, I'll, I'll comment on that in a minute. So nil, close quote, close parentheses, semicolon, don't forget the semicolon, single quote, redirect, redirect, netcat underscore main dot c and then you can make it make that module and continue on with the instructions as as um, they appear in the readme file the the problem here is that the 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 module process i guess maybe now i don't know if this is a new thing or what it wants a, a license to be declared for this module there is no license declared for this module either in the code or on the repository to be honest and so you have to put something in there. Now, I'm not clear on the license. I did look. The music content is Creative Commons, but the module itself, I believe, is GPL. And so I don't know what that means, literally, for the module license. I don't know how that works. It's probably just GPL is fine. Um, but honestly, it works with basically anything. You could put nil, you could put penguin, you could put foo. It doesn't matter. You could put GPL. It doesn't really, really matter. But it is that is required. So you're, what you're doing here is you're just echoing the statement module underscore license nil into the, at the very end of netcat main.c. It's fine there. It just needs to be set somewhere. So that's setting it. And then you make, and it finds that license and continues to actually make the, the whole module. What would happen without that is that it, it builds practically the entire thing. And then in the la at the last moment, it says, oh, by the way, I can't find the license. Mod post error, um, whatever I, I just read out. Mod post error, mod post missing module license. So you're just resolving that that issue, and then it will... It will compile and play the album as expected. So I hope that helps someone who 
who might have been unclear about that. Hacker Defo contacted me on Mastodon as well and said that he felt where is it? He felt anyway that the that that grabbing the .config file from your old kernel didn't make as much sense as getting a newer .config file from Pat. And I actually totally agree, or Pat, from from the Slackware server, from, from Slackware-current, essentially, which I agree with. Um, and I think, I don't know which I actually do. I think I do both equally as often. I think sometimes I get I get that weird laziness that you get at the terminal sometimes, and you just know that a file is just one folder away, so you just cat it from that folder into your current folder, because invoking wget and finding the URL that you need to wget just seems so, so difficult in the moment. It's a weird thing to feel, because doing that, getting the config file from your current, or the, the old original kernel, rather, Getting that I mean, means you're going to have that much more to configure in menu config because obviously a config file for four dot I don't know kernel four dot fourteen or whatever it was is going to have less in common with a kernel in the five series than another kernel in the five series and that's the important thing to know I guess about the dot config file the dot config file when you when you copy it from somewhere else you're just giving yourself a head start. And then when you do make menu config, make menu config loads in what it can from that old configuration and then leaves everything else unconfigured. If you don't want to step through menu config, you can just do a make config and that will that will walk you through every single option you need. I've done that before. Correction, I, I think I've tried. Well, no, I have done that before. And then I did try it later again. And Honestly, what happens, what what ends up happening for me at least, is I just start blindly accepting the defaults, and so I'm just leaning on the return key. And at that point, it's just silly. Like, why not just do the menu config? So, but but you can do that. You can get a .config file either from the original kernel that shipped with Slackware in user source Linux or whatever it is, or from Slackware-current on on the Slackware servers. You can grab you know the one that's going to come up for the next or that was released for a kernel update or or in the next you know in in current that that would probably be easier to configure in the long run i feel like that's not all oh yeah there was a really good feedback from deep geek but it covers a lot of ground and so i'm going to i'm going to instead save that for next episode because i really want to get through akinati in this episode. So let's get back to it. So we're on Akinati-Notes now, and um, there are no binaries here for this, but Akinati-Notes, or I guess it's just called Notes. Notes is a system within Contact, a component of Contact, a K, maybe even a K-part in Contact, I'm not really sure, um, and and it, it, it lets you write notes, and they're really, really nice. If you've ever used, what was it called, Tomboy Notes, I think? Um, or I think Zim, a um, couple of different applications were out there for a while, and they were really popular. And it was essentially a localized wiki. You could very easily create hyperlinked notes and then refer to each note in one another. It's actually a really, really useful system, and uh, I've been meaning to use it more often because it does allow you, well, like I say, I mean, you can... You can b- basically build a local wiki just within within contact or w- within notes, I guess. Is is there a separate? Yes. Th- no, that's different. Okay. So um, within contact, you can build a little local wiki, and it's just so nice because you have hyperlinks in there, and you can switch back and forth between them, and it's um it's nice, and, and it it's it's sort of a um it's a note taking application. It's got your list of notes on the left. And then it's got the note itself on the right, and it's 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 quite useful. So that's a cool little system, and Akinati Notes is the part of the library that helps developers uh, either integrate or or communicate with that. I do, of which I don't know. I don't know which. I don't know where that pops up. I don't. I, I've not seen that myself. I, I also haven't really looked for it. But anyway, Akinati does monitor it or or does track it. I guess. And um, and that's how it does it with Akinati Notes. You do not, like I said, in the Akinati-Calendar-Tools, you don't have access to notes yet, but it apparently is a planned feature. So that would be really useful. I, I would quite like that. 
to be able to insert notes and stuff or even access notes from the terminal. But then also have the option of having the GUI view as well. I just love that. I love that. Okay, so there is an Akinati search, which has um, one binary, which again, I'm not going to run it. It's the Akinati underscore indexing underscore agent. This is, as you can imagine, this is the thing that implements searching through the database that Akinati references. So that's it's an important one, and certainly if you're a developer and you know that you want to integrate, you, you want to tap into Akinati, you would probably want to use the search function as well. You'd, you'd need to be able to find the thing that the person starts typing or, or that they're referring to. And that's the way that you would do that. And then finally, 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 this is the last Akinati one. There is Akinati console, all one word, and console this time spelled with a C because it's not actually talking about console, the application. It's talking about, like, a console. And I think, am I wrong? Yeah, you can actually, this is in your application menu as well. So if you go to your K application menu and type in Akonadi, there we go, console, there it is. It launches a little warning. It says, hey, this is the developer tool. Don't do this if you don't know what you're doing and so on. But you can, this is actually relatively safe. I mean, if you were to change stuff in here, things could go poorly for you. But generally speaking, it's it's pretty safe. So this is a really cool little view into Akinati. It's, it's not, I wouldn't say that this is super useful or anything, but if you're just still not clear on what, on what Akinati is and does, this kind of gives you a view into that. So when you open Akinati console, it looks a little bit like Kmail, which again, you don't know that that exists yet because that's way down in the K section of this package, but it looks like a KDE application, I guess is what I'm saying. On the left, there is a list of collections. I told you I was getting getting there. Um, the collections are are the the bundles of information sources that Akinati needs to know about. So for instance, here's that birthdays and anniversaries calendar. Here's a contacts folder, a lo- uh, one, one folder called local folders, which if I expand it, looks like that's all my email stuff. Those are my, in- my, my inboxes and outboxes and sent mails and trash and so on. There's local notes, which, uh, well actually local notes I don't, I don't technically have, but notes I have and and those are the ones that I was just talking about with with notes in in contact and you don't you can't really see them but you can see that these are sources of of data for Akinati and you can kind of you can see what mime type it believes it is or or that it assigns it it you can see the ID of each note and so on then there here's my personal calendar and once again I I, I can't see the it, it's not like I'm it's not like Akin- um, what is it C- console C- calendar console calendar dash dash list all or whatever uh, or dash dash all it is just it's it's the data elements within this in this case the personal calendar so I can see that there are several mime type type events it's application slash x dash vnd dot Akinati.calendar.event. So these are events in the in my personal calendar. I don't see what the contents of those events are, but I can see that they have an, that they each have a unique ID. There's a remote ID. There's a revision. There's a size, a modification time and date, and so on. So those are those are collections over on the left, and then you've got all the data about each thing that you're selecting on the left. Uh, you have the data on the right. That's the browser side of this. That's the the default view is the browser. Where you are, you're just you're l- looking through collections essentially. You're browsing through those. You, there's tabs across the top as well, so you can look at agents, the different agents like the mail filter agent, the uh, this particular email address, the migration uh, agent, the local note agent, the note agent, local folders, birthdays and anniversaries again, which, by the way, I don't even use that, so it's funny that that keeps coming up. It's one of those things that I didn't even didn't even realize was there. Uh, follow-up reminder agent. You know, lots of really cool little demons that are running in the background that help you, ideally, manage your life, like your contacts, your, the way that you interact with the world, whether it's through keeping track of appointments or or um, events or, or 
keeping in touch with people, and so on. What it does not do is help you figure out what to say to people once you remember that you need to keep in touch. That's that's a different problem. Uh, there's a debugger. There's a database browser. I'm not going to go into there. Database console, a query debugger, job tracker, resource scheduler, and so on. So lots of monitors, um, lo- lots of tabs to look at. I, I'm, I don't need this. I'm not going to use it. It's not something that I'm uh, even super comfortable poking around at this point now. I'm starting to get too deep into it to, to feel comfortable. So I'm going to quit this, but I wanted to bring that up because it is a very useful uh, tool. I mean, certainly for developers because, I mean, like that query, the query debugger or the you know query uh, helper, whatever it was, would be super useful, right? I mean, if you're trying to figure out the parameters that you need to use in order to get an, a correct SQL statement for, you know, finding a specific contact or a, an event in a specific calendar. That's the kind of thing that, yeah, you do want sort of like, you want something interactive where you can try different things and confirm that you're getting the data that you would expect without compiling your entire application and then, you know, running it. So really, really useful development tool, I can imagine. And also just, like I said, an interesting insight into what goes on into in in Akinati and with Akinati and what it, it is concerned about. And it really is, it's mostly really just contact, which encompasses K-mail and calendar and notes and journal and, and things like that, or RSS feed reader and so on. Um, so it's, it, it, it's specific to a, a certain segment of your desktop. You may not even use that segment of your desktop. I happen to use that. I, I quite like having local email, local calendaring information, local data. And and I mean, I, I like that because number one, it's my data. Uh, number two, I don't necessarily want it stored on someone else's computer. Number three, um, if it is on my computer, I can manage the backups of what I need and I can get rid of what I don't need. And I've I've... I've definitely used that to my advantage. Like the fact that I have an RSS feed reader that saves things locally has absolutely helped me in the past recover records of of a website's publication track record and that sort of thing. So it's 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 a good thing to have access to. Um, and I think in the modern day and age, it it might be true that it takes some getting used to. Uh, so I think so many people nowadays, and maybe I'm overestimating it, but in, in my world, I feel like a lot of people are very used to calendars and emails and even notes sometimes, like personal notes and, and tracking of, of things that you're doing in life on someone else's server. And, you know, that's fine if you're comfortable with that. But um, if you want to pull that all down to your desktop and have that right there in front of you, uh, Akinati makes it makes it really useful. It makes it easy to keep it local, but also to still have that convenience that you might get from some kind of online service with a big search tool behind it. It's actually overkill, I think. Uh, Akinati gives me everything that that a lot of people express to really really love about Google services, and in many ways it provides a heck of a lot more. Uh, and a lot more, um, a lot better sort of cohesion and integration than certainly anything that that anything within the Google suite of apps provides. So take a look at maybe not Akinati, but maybe at at Contact, the Contact suite of KDE. Get that set up and and use it. You might really really enjoy it. Unfortunately, I'm not going to talk about Contact for another probably, I don't know, 100 packages or so. No, actually, a couple of scroll wheels down. It's not that It's not that far away, I guess. But anyway, Akinati is the part that makes it really, really convenient and useful, and um, I'm quite excited about it. And there's great documentation for it online as well. Go to the KDE uh, tech base, techbase.kde.org, and look into the KDE underscore PIM um, section for Akinati, and you can look at the architecture of Akinati. It's it's really, really fascinating just to see how, well, what the different pieces are and how they all fit together. It, it's an interesting, interesting read, so do check that out. I'll put the link in the show notes, I'm sure. I think that's everything. That's everything for this episode. I'm, I'm really actually kind of surprised that I got through it all, but I did, so that's great. 
next episode we'll talk well we'll talk about some feedback for sure um but we'll also look at some you know the the next item in the list which is one of my favorites it's Accreator, which is the rss feed reader which i use very very often so that'll be a fun one um for now thanks for listening have a great week talk to you next time Thanks for listening. My name's Klaatu. You can reach me anytime over email with feedback or comments, tips, or just to say hi. My email address is klaatu at slackermedia.info. You can also reach me on the Mastodon network, not klaatu, at mastodon.xyz. The show's intro and outro music is by Fat Chance Lester. You can find their music on bandcamp.com or on gnuworldorder.info in the archive you'll find a music directory containing the album from which this music has been extracted until next time thanks for listening and keep the source open is over, Mr. Clander, and you look tired.